Welcome to Honey Do Me. I'm Cass. And I'm Emma. And this is Honey Do Me Podcast, where we talk about sex and having it and feeling good. And this month, it's all about getting into our bodies, our skin yeah. suits, as we like to say. Connect with that fucking skin suit. I think it's easy for all of us to kind of lose track of what's going on with our bodies, unless we're like being critical of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we get so at least... I do get so caught up in my thoughts and what's going on on my anxieties that mm-hmm. um, it's quite hard to get into my body and feel comfortable being there. Also, yeah. that, like so much plays into that, like chronic illness and all that fucking shit. But I feel like connecting with your body is so goddamn important to in order to have really good sex, which is the mm-hmm. reason we're all here today. So. <laughs> I'm so happy I came to your TED Talk. <laughs> that was wonderful way You're to welcome. explain it. And uh, yeah, I feel like we get so many good, amazing, like physical tips mm-hmm. about how to like enhance your performance in the bedroom mm-hmm. or with your like solo sex. But it's really hard to want to do those things when you don't even know how you feel in your body or how those things make you feel. Yeah. Like, I forget I have a body a lot of the time, you know? <laughs> I kind of do, too, until it's hurting. Yeah. Until I hurt myself. That's such a good point. Like, until something's mm-hmm. wrong, I'm really not paying attention to my body. And then mm-hmm. when I'm having sex, you know, this is years after doing this <laughs> podcast, but still I'll be so focused on, like, oh, I want to have an orgasm. And so it's like yeah. I'm focused on a goal. I'm not even focused in the moment. So it's like, when am I having just, like, really good experiences with my body yeah. Rarely. <laughs> Where you're super tuned in because we get so mm-hmm. tuned into pain and things that could be like not super great. Exactly. Um, but we don't get super turned in, tuned in to like average everyday sensation or pleasure or things that just feel good throughout the day. Mm-hmm. It's like if I focused on what felt good only when I had sex, don't scoff. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I would tune into my body once every blue moon. <laughs> it would okay? not be often. <laughs> it would not be often. So um, thankfully, we have people <laughs> that come on the podcast that help us get back into our body mm-hmm. and remind us it's such a good thing. Emma and I have been talking about this topic and this theme for like the last six months, and we were kind of unsure mm-hmm. about it because it doesn't sound as exciting but then Mm -hmm. once we actually recorded these episodes we were like holy shit those are all really life-changing important episodes and I think it is so important to take that step back and build that foundation so that we can do all of the other fucking things Mm -hmm. that we want to do so take this month seriously motherfuckers (laughs) motherfuckers and we have in a really interesting topic for you today I am so fucking excited to dive Mm -hmm. in Um, We are chatting with Jessica. She is a psychedelic sensuality coach. Who, Uh what, when, where, why? But those questions will be answered. Uh Uh-huh. So fucking cool. Uh, What I love about this episode is so we talk about having sex 
using psychedelics. So like when mm. you are on psychedelics. But if you are somebody that is not interested in using psychedelics, we also talk about how to achieve the same mm, like feelings sober. Mm-hmm. And I love that, like just how to use your body to achieve those same feelings. And so whether you are not wanting to engage in psychedelics or you are, there is something or a lot of some things in this episode for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, be really excited. And I hope you come curious and leave coming. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a good sign off. (laughs) Thank you. Leaving it at that. All right. We'll see you in the next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Um, my name is Jessica Alpha Key, and I'm a psychedelic sensual empowerment coach. And my favorite thing on the planet is introducing myself to people because everyone's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of interesting words that that mean a lot of different things. So totally. my main mission is to help people, specifically women, decondition all of the trauma that we get, collective trauma, experiential trauma, and even just like the stories and messages that we get from society, from our families um, that seem to come from our internal workings Mm -hmm. um, that really limit our sensuality and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And the way that I help decondition all of this fabulous stuff is through psychedelic wisdom. So I don't necessarily use psychedelics with my clients but I'm employing psychedelic science to how we can rewire the mind and the body to show up differently, to change our identity, to change those beliefs and stories, and to sink into a larger capacity for pleasure and connection. I mean, what's not to love about all of that? Oh my God, that sounds so juicy and amazing. Um, Let's begin first with what psychedelics are and then what the psychedelic science is that you referred to that you use in your work. Yeah, so there, there's like several ways that you could define psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I really lean into an experience that gives you an altered state of consciousness. So that can come from plant medicine, but you can also access psychedelic states through breath work, um, through meditation. And really what you're looking at is just the way that the brain chemistry is altered to give you a different sense of reality. And I could go into like this super nerddom on what even is reality and we'll probably, we'll get there. We'll definitely get there. We'll get there. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But the short intro, you know, typical psychedelics that we think of are like psilocybin from mushrooms, which plugs into serotonin receptors in the brain and creates a cascade of effects that quiet certain systems that we're used to have running mm-hmm. uh, and increased brain connectivity so that we can actually expand our experience, expand our awareness, feel more, see more, understand more. Mm-hmm. And the the coolest piece is that a lot of the ways that the psychedelics work with the brain is just by plugging into receptors that are already there. So there are other types of psychedelics like DMT, which our brain already produces. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain psychoactive chemicals like THC, which our brain already has like cannabinoid receptors for. So we're just built to have a relationship to these different plants that give us altered states of consciousness. Oh, it's so cool. So cool. 
I remember learning a little bit about that in, um, I did like a psychology of drugs class in college and learning that we already had cannabinoid receptors in our brain and like how, I don't know, how we relate to plants. I thought that was so interesting. I'm really excited to get more into this. (laughs) So how does this relate to sex? Let's bring in the sex, the pleasure, all of that. How are those connected? In so many ways. Because psychedelic experience really gives you a different flavor of what it means to exist as a human, as a connected being. It opens up so many potential pathways for going in deep. So that means uncovering trauma, uncovering shadows and clinging stories that are preventing you from entering into like this full uninhibited sensual experience. Um, they also allow us to just experience our senses more. So we have this heightened sensitivity through touch, through smell, through sound, taste. All of our senses are expanded. So when I think about sensuality, I'm thinking not just about like sex and pleasure. I'm also thinking about joy, presentness, all of these ways that we can experience our sensual self. And psychedelics offer not only an expansion of that, but they also offer a pathway to clear a lot of those blocks that inhibit us in our day-to-day life Mm -hmm. because we are only able to experience a small swath of reality. I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little nerdy here if you don't mind. Let's do. Let's go. What is reality? So we're only able to process 11 million bits of information per second. Our conscious mind can process 45 to 50 bits of information. So we just went from 11 million to 40 to 50 bits of information. That's oh. far fewer bits. <laughs> I'm no math expert, but it's no a math difference. Expert. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's happening is you are deleting, you're generalizing, and you're distorting what's around you to make sense of it. And the way that we're making sense of it from an evolutionary standpoint is based on survival, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're kind of only looking at a very small subset of what is actually existing and interpreting this through this narrow lens that's based on your conditioning, it's based on the stories that you tell yourself, it's based on the experiences that you've had, and so you get a really narrow concept of reality. And so psychedelics is going to open that, open that connectivity. It's going to allow you to actually process more bits of information per second. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about sensuality and sex and the conditioning that we have around that, you're able to feel such a different bodily experience and that changes the way that your brain operates. So you're actually physically changing your brain chemistry into connection, expansiveness into like seeing that like, it's not just me and my little ego bubble, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that that general sense of like interconnectedness and seeing almost, you know, beyond the veil, seeing that there's another truth to explore out there and opening yourself up to curiosity and play within that space. Holy moly. I've never felt so robbed of seeing things <laughs> than when we're talking about how many bits our brain can process and what we do process. Is it even like healthy to process more day to day than like the 40 to 50? 
Because I know with sex, that sounds really fun. But if I was walking around processing so much more, like, would that be super fucking cool? Or would I be like in one of those warped paintings, you know, when like everything gets swirly? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, people mm-hmm. have done experiments, you know, where they'll they'll take, say, macro doses of mm-hmm. a psychedelic for an extended period of time and you're living in that world. Right. But there's a reason that our brains are dampening. You know, our brain has the capacity to see so much more and to experience so much more. Mm-hmm. But those filters are really necessary for our day-to-day survival because if you're out there in the swirly world, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder to get your job done, to respond to, you know, threats. If we're talking about we have like a 35,000-year-old operating system. Mm-hmm. And so there's very real reasons that our body's protecting us and a lot of those are because we need to eat, we need to feed ourselves, we need shelter. And I think that if you are continually in a high, high expanded consciousness like that, Mm -hmm. there are some interesting effects. But you can be in a prolonged psychedelic state. Mm -hmm. And people have done it for years and years. Some notables like uh, Alfred Hoffman has done psychedelics his whole life. And only has, you know, healthy, <laughs> healthy things to report up until up until his death when even on his deathbed, you know, taking psychedelics. So he was like rock on with the psychedelics still. <laughs> just, Please. just bring it on. Just bring it on. So if you are fully convinced based on what you're saying and you are like, yes, I want to try this. I want to incorporate it into my sex life. Like, where do you start I don't even know like what the right question is to ask, but how do you begin? Yeah. One of the most important components of psychedelic experience is set and setting. You'll hear that talked about a lot. And set for me really means what you're bringing to the experience. It's everything that you have going on. So I think the very first place to start is with yourself to make sure that you are sure that you don't have traumas that are going to trigger, shadows that are going to come up, especially if you're trying to link this to sex, which is already a very vulnerable state, Mm -hmm. and you're talking about intimacy with one or multiple partners, you're bringing a lot to the table. Mm -hmm. And so preparation, I think, is really important, just getting very clear on researching psychedelics, what to expect, and then finding ways to come at that with an intentionality that's going to bring about openness, connection, intimacy, and not move into like weird, awkward, Mm -hmm. now I need to go work through a lot of trauma that just came up, you know? I need Uh to journal. (laughs) I need to journal. (laughs) Or cry in the shower for 45 minutes. Put your pants on. I need my journal. (laughs) Which is beneficial too, you know, but not in the middle of (laughs) something that's supposed to be hot and sexy. (laughs) Totally. Wow. So I guess what is the more logical um, flow to approaching this? Should we start with like how to prep to have sex on drugs or should we start with doing it without drugs and like how to access that part without being on psychedelics, but having like a psychedelic, psychedelic experience? Yeah. (laughs) I love to coach methods that bring about you know, a a proximity of psychedelic states without the use of psychedelics because not everybody has access to it. Not everybody's Mm -hmm. a great candidate for it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But I think that everyone should have access to what psychedelics offer, mm-hmm. which is, you know, again, that expanded connectivity, the heightened sensations, and this really sharp presentness. One of my favorite experiences is um, being on LSD, sitting by a river, and just looking at rocks with my friends for 50 minutes, like the most contented rock staring. <laughs> And so if you can bring that attention and excitement to a partnership, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. wild what that does for connection, what that does for intimacy, what that does to reignite passion and interest and to be able to see someone again without the stories that you have from your day-to-day patterns and routines and we collect and hold on to different grudges and all of that will get quieted with a psychedelic experience. So I love coaching people into here's how to access that without psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are also able to bring psychedelics into the bedroom, mm-hmm. I like to start in a really small way. You know, like let's take psilocybin, for example, because that's one of the more decriminalized psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very easy to take smaller doses and still start to investigate the effects. So you can do a microdose with a partner and just see what that feels like. You can start to ramp up to like a middle dose and see what that feels like where you're not necessarily going into swirly world, (laughs) but you're still able to get the heightened sensitivity and the heightened connection and just play around with what that feels like. Mm -hmm. That sounds really like, obviously, again, it's not accessible to everyone, but it sounds accessible in the way that, like, it doesn't sound too scary or intimidating or, like, I'm going to be completely out of control of my body. It sounds like a really good step towards experiencing a psychedelic state within sex. Yeah. I think, you know, we have to be conscious that a lot of the stories that we have around psychedelics are coming out of the the anti-drug movement from the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, they've continued and their legacy has continued to inform us. So when we think about psilocybin, when we think about LSD, often those stories are like, it's an out of control state. I'm going completely bonkers living in a different reality. And it's terrifying. I might get shown stuff that I can't handle, you know, mm-hmm. when the reality, and it's always so funny to me to contrast this, but alcohol is one of the most inebriating drugs that we have. And it's fully accessible, fully available. Most people aren't scared to go to the bar and have a drink, Mm -hmm. you know? Very true. But the effects of alcohol are widely shown to put you in a state that is out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with psychedelics, there's so much more control than the popularized stories give us. And I love that we're having a resurgence of psychedelic research and availability so that more stories can come out to show people that it's almost like you get, in some senses, more control because you're seeing more. You're not Mm -hmm. just looking at survival mechanisms. You're really appreciating that there's so much more out there um, while being in a a somewhat lucid state. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When we're thinking about entering um, like a sexual experience with either a psychedelic mindset or on psychedelics, how big of a time frame are we looking at? And like, what should that time prep look like if we're preparing for that experience? Because you said you could stare at rocks for 50 minutes. 
amazing. And if you're bringing that amount of concentration and focus to like a partner or an experience, I'm assuming it'll go on for a while. Right? It'll go on for a while. <laughs> I recommend setting aside a decent chunk of time. So mm-hmm. like half half the day. Whoa. That was more that, than I thought you were going to say. I, I thought you were going to say it. half an hour. And I'm like, honestly, that's a good amount of time. <laughs> that's a great amount of time to have sex. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. 25 <laughs> minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> I mean, think of like the psychedelic experience can be life altering. Mm-hmm. When you're in an altered state of consciousness for that long, that's when it really starts to sink in. And it's not just a brief glimpse into the cosmos, you know, it's a really uh, long standing connection that you have and you get to see the nuances and the flavors of it. And when you're on psychedelics, they have a trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. So they have a, a ramp up, they have a peak and they have a come down. And so even when you're not on psychedelics, I like to simulate that with a partner because then you get the full rich experience. Mm -hmm. So I recommend giving yourself four to six hours Mm -hmm. to just play with sensuality, to play with your senses, to sink into the presentness of the moment and to experience what it's like. You know, if I'm saying like, okay, go have sex for four to six hours, you're like, Am I going to get bored? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's a real practice. You know, with psychedelics, you're not going to get bored. You're going to have plenty to <laughs> occupy yourself. And so you're going to calibrate that experience to the trip. You know, psilocybin lasts four to six hours. And so you can experience that whole ramp up and peak and slow down with a partner with sensuality. It's not going to be all sex all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you are, you know, just doing breath work together or just giving loving affirmations. My partner and I love for like two hours, we'll just sit and give each other affirmations and I can't, it's orgasmic, you know, just sitting there telling someone how much you love and appreciate them and then hearing that. Um. But so you can you can kind of play and experiment with what does it look like to re-engage? If I find myself drifting, how can I bring myself to focus on my partner, sink back into my sensations, what I'm feeling like, and how can I do a four to six hour sensuality session and be like immersed in the experience and feel the richness of it? How can I continue to give myself different gifts and different curiosities. And I think curiosity is a good word there because if you come at it with a curious mindset, you're more open to exploration and play rather than we're just here to get a job done. I'm going to get an orgasm. We're going to have a great time. I'm going to go. We will have a great time. (laughs) I'll make sure of it. Yeah. (laughs) It's on my list. In terms of building the container and like the setting as you were referring to it before, is there... Anything that we should be keeping in mind, like textures that we should be trying to incorporate, items that we should have close by, anything like that in terms of prep? I love that question because I think that's really relevant to any sexual situation. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you want to really have a heightened sensual experience, what turns you on? You know, do you have a playlist that you go to? What kind of lighting? Really give yourself that opportunity to create a setting that's going to support your vibe. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us just like 
hop in bed, mm-hmm. have sex. Mm-hmm. And we miss out on the richness that can come from the intentionality of like, here's a sultry playlist and I'm going to participate in like pleasing you as if I'm in a music video to the soundtrack right now, you know, like engaging with the environment instead of just having it be a part of your background. So if there's stuff that you love, bring that in. If you want to have sex on a pile of pillows, make that for yourself, you know, incorporate oils and, and different scents. It's just so fun to play with to play with all of your senses in this experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can imagine engaging with your senses during that time is just, it's like getting to know a new friend. <laughs> That's such a good way to put it. That's mm-hmm. such a beautiful way to put it because the newness of it, mm-hmm. when all of your, your shit gets quieted, you're starting to experience things as if for the first time. So you're reacquainting yourself with what does my body feel like? everything's awake inside of me mm-hmm. and my touch now feels different. It can it can be overwhelming. If you go straight from like I've never done psychedelics to like sex with psychedelics, it can be very overstimulating. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, recognizing that you want maybe to soften the experience and you can do that through the setting like dimmer lights, quieter music, um, or just like a slower ramp up if you are incorporating psychedelics into it. Don't start with a full dose. Start with like micros and moving your way into it because like you said, can I walk around all day just mm-hmm. kind of tripping balls? <laughs> like you don't want <laughs> you don't want to go full in and have a really wild, difficult experience because you're also dealing with some stuff that's can be challenging on its own. You know, like if you have a weirdness around genitals or if you have like body shame. It's really helpful to work through that beforehand or to acknowledge that that exists. And that's going to be something that you're kind of engaging with as you go through the experience. Interesting. So is it guaranteed that things you are bringing in with you that could be heavier will come up if you're on psychedelics or if you take like, sorry, my dog is eating. So if you hear that in the background, that's what that is. Um, he's taking his psychedelics. He's taking his psychedelics. Um, will that always bring itself into the room with you if you take psychedelics? No, not at all. Okay. It's not a guarantee, mm-hmm. um, especially when you set an intention, create a set and setting that's really supportive of your environment. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes you can lose yourself in the moment so much that the things that you thought were going to creep in just don't even factor. And it can also be the case that you work through and process that stuff without it coming up as this like, oh, I thought this was going to be a really intense work through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can just have an experience and at the end of it, you're like, that feels lighter now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Inter- I guess another aspect of the setting that I'm thinking about is the person or people that you are involving as well. Are there certain characteristics that you should look for? Are these like you should really only do this with somebody that you know really well or have had sex with before or can it be a new partner or a one night stand? I would recommend not having it be a one night stand. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of connectivity and vulnerability that's going to go into that and there's like safety concerns around, you know, just again, 
you might not want to have a one night stand when you're wasted. Like you're going to mm-hmm. make different decisions. And while psychedelics are not similar to an alcohol experience, you're still opening yourself up to more. You're opening your your heart mind connection more. And so I think it's really nice when someone is vetted, they're a little bit conscious to what the psychedelic experience is going to be like so that you can co-regulate together and co-manage the experience. Because again, when you're having sex, there's a lot that goes into that that's outside of our comfort zone a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so when you have two people who are more comfortable voicing discomfort, Mm -hmm. uh, voicing, you know, I really need this right now, someone who you know, if if something happens and you do shift and you're entering into like a processing state, they can hold that container for you and you feel safe and comfortable. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. With that and, um, you know, kind of knowing the person that you're going into this experience with, I know that on drugs, you're not the most like predictable person. So going in with like a routine or like a schedule of things that you should do, you know, you might not feel like it once you get a little high. So is it important for this experience to have kind of like an outline of how you want the experience to go? Like, like if you're going to have sex, you dedicate, okay, so for the first hour, we're going to do like just sitting and like touching hair or something, or like, should you just let the experience flow how it comes and goes while you're on drugs? (laughs) (laughs) I love having, uh, I love having a little outline. Mm -hmm. I love having a little list of opportunities and activities Mm -hmm. to do and then releasing attachment to it because the experience will take you the way that it's going to take you and the dynamics going to take you in a different place. (laughs) But it can be difficult to think of things to do on the fly. Uh Uh-huh. So it is really nice. You know, there's certain things that kind of go out the window, like the type A planning mm-hmm. <laughs> becomes a little bit harder and you're in a little bit more just free flow ex- experiential state. And so creating some activities like we could pet each other's hair, you know, we could switch to central massage. We could exit this environment and go to a new environment because environmental shifts will dramatically change the nature of your state. And so if you're, you know, feeling a little awkward or uncomfortable and you have another safe space that you can enter. Great. It's nice to know that you have those available to you. And the more kind of options you have constructed beforehand will help you when you're in the middle of an experience and you're wondering, I want to shift, but I don't know what to do. Okay. I have four playlists to choose from. I have, you know, two rooms to choose from and we can break from sex and just move into sensuality, to move into connection, to move into intimacy exercises. And it doesn't always have to be, we got to keep going because this is what, (laughs) this is what was planned. This is why we took the mushrooms (laughs) to have the sex time. (laughs) Fair. I love that. We, I think we're both very happy to hear that bringing an outline Mm -hmm. is a good thing. Um, (laughs) We mm -hmm. love an outline. What can we say? What can we say? I would love to get into more of the like sober psychedelic practices that you've hinted at and how we can access a psychedelic state without taking psychedelics, um, because that is so interesting and I didn't know it was an option. So please just take it away on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
you know, from my work with clients, what I started to recognize is we all have the same issue is we all just get in our own way. And mm. we come at that from <laughs> and your face nodding. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. We come at that from different angles. But the reality of the situation is that we we get blocked by the mind-body connection. So our emotions are telling us something and our brain's interpreting that emotion to all the stories that it has based on past experience, based on stuff that it's seen and assimilated. And so your story reinforces that emotion and then you start to feel blocked from, from, from pleasure, from connection, from feeling good about yourself. There's so many ways that that manifests. And so psychedelics afford the opportunity to quiet the default mode network, which is that part of our brain that stores our stories, that activates when we're telling ourselves what things mean. And so it's producing basically constructs all around us that are telling us, you know, this is my coffee cup. I know what to put in it. I know how to use it. And when that default mode network gets quieted and the stories fall away, you start to be able to open up to what does it look like if I love myself fully, full acceptance? What does it look like if I love my partner fully with full acceptance when I don't need to catalog all of the things that they've done to make me frustrated, to make me upset, to make me feel diminished, and to kind of see anew both myself and my partner. And so some of the strategies for clearing those blocks I actually pull from neurolinguistic programming, which is a modality that helps rewrite stories and retrain your mind and body to feel differently, to do differently, to ultimately be different. And so you're looking at what are my patterns? What are my triggers? And what are the stories that I'm telling myself when I get triggered? When I feel a certain disempowered emotion, what is that telling me? And that usually goes into a core wound, something like I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not or sometimes it's I'm too much. <laughs> it's my core wound. <laughs> yeah. And being able to recognize when those thoughts and feelings come up and to have a story prepared. Talk about pre-planning. If you don't have a story prepared that you want to shift toward and you want to embody, then when you're in that moment of, okay, I recognize that I'm having the emotion. I don't want to feel this way anymore, but I don't have anything to replace it with. It becomes really hard to move past that emotion. Mm -hmm. And so I coach my clients into getting really good at recognizing when those criticisms come up, when those blocks come up, and then having a more empowered narrative ready to go where you can just tell that 35,000-year-old brain of yours, quiet, please. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take control. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually, this is more true for me. Because it's often the case that our disempowered narratives aren't even true. Again, if we talk about the nature of reality, we're looking at that from a very narrow perspective. Mm -hmm. And when you're in fear, when you're in scarcity, when you're in lack, you're using that part of your brain that actually narrows your perception again. So we've already got a narrow view of reality. We're narrowing that even more. And then we're creating stories that inform the way that we show up based on this tiny little 
based on like five bits. <laughs> five, five bits. Right? bits. <laughs> so you're not seeing the whole picture. So it's really about training yourself to move from move into a more regulated nervous system so that you can again open up that perspective. And then looking for a myriad of possibilities. What actually sounds more true? And you can pick any number of stories. Pick the one that's most empowering. Why not? You're picking a disempowering one that is an active choice. You're just letting your biology choose it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just about teaching how to take control of that 35,000-year-old animal and choose your more empowered stories. And then I teach a practice of reconditioning the body. So like spending time embodying the emotions that counter your core wound. So if it's, I'm not enough, let's, let's coach our body into feeling confidence, worthiness, expansiveness, taking up space. And you can do that through really simple practices like visualization, um, somatic meditation, through dance. Um, through psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> that I sounds love- beautiful. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Em. No, I was just saying it just sounds beautiful and like such a great practice um, to replace the thoughts. It's like if you're – Cass and I say this all the time. It's like if I'm going to live in um, – a delusion, I guess. Why not be like delusionally nice to myself? And yeah. so kind of the same things with this practice. It's like, why not just replace it with this second thought that you have that's actually a lot nicer? It's a lot nicer. It's, you know, it's more honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me that we have spaces like we'll go to yoga or we'll go to the gym. We'll work out a physical body. We know that that promotes endorphins and keeps us healthy and makes us feel good. And we have spaces now too for like meditation and mindfulness. And we know that that is healthy and that that makes us feel good. But we haven't yet really as a culture like turned our lens on emotional experience and saying we can just by thinking about it. Because imagine like if you think about something really shitty that happened to you and you think about it long enough and you tell yourself the stories, you're going to feel the feeling. Mm-hmm. And if you think about something beautiful that happened to you or that's going to happen to you and you sink into that experience and you feel the feeling and you can coach your body to actually change its biochemistry. So your brain will release endorphins. It'll lower cortisol. You'll shift the different hormones in your body just by thinking about a more empowered state. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, yeah, to your point, like, I think that we just don't have enough models to recognize that we have agency over our emotional state. And the more that we recondition ourselves emotionally, the more we start to see our personality shift. So we go into feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm insecure. I identify as an insecure person. You can start to shift that into like, I'm bold, sexy, confident, because that's actually my whole life I conditioned myself to feel insecure. Um, you know, and a lot of that's like from external factors. Your your brain and your body is just trying to protect yourself. So that's why you create the stories. Mm-hmm. But when you take control, you can recondition yourself into this whatever you want. I want to be a badass superhero, you know? 
So are these practices that we're doing like all the time? How is this related specifically to sex? Like, are we doing it in the act as well? I love that you asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) On the one hand, it's a practice like going to the gym. You want to rep the muscles. Mm -hmm. So you want to coach your body into feeling a certain state. You want to give it time and access. So yeah, as much as you would go to the gym if you're a fitness buff, as much as you go sit in meditation, um, as much as you want, (laughs) you want to spend time reconditioning your emotional state. And the cool part, so you can do that outside of sex, right? You just do that through sitting and feeling and imagining. Sex is a peak experience. So just like trauma is a peak experience, you know, it's getting all of your sentences on board. It's telling your brain, like, we need to pay attention to this. Something big's happening. Psychedelics do a similar thing. They bring you into a peak state. They bring all of your senses on board. They tell your brain, this is significant. Pay attention to everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sex does the same thing, especially orgasm. So when you're at that state of orgasm, that's when we get into like sexual manifestation, you're bringing so much energy into your body. You're awakening so much of your senses and you're kind of concentrating in this finite point. And as you reach orgasm, your default mode network, the same thing that's quieted from meditation, from psychedelics, that almost shuts off completely. And so you're in this like full cognitive presence and if you prime yourself to feel that feeling or imagine that whatever you want to manifest, if you want to manifest into like, I'm, I'm confident, uh, that's the moment to put that image in your mind and your body will integrate that more strongly. That's so cool. I love it. That does sound so powerful. It's magic. It's magic. My so when you when you talk about priming yourself, does that just mean saying that you're going into this experience knowing that once you hit orgasm, you want to think about these things? Is that what like priming is? And is there any type of like priming ritual, or is it just more like think about it right before you go after it? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about you know orgasm, it's a little unruly. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. you're not super like cognitively present, right? Your body's mm-hmm. present. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recommend priming to me and from a neurolinguistic standpoint, you're looking at getting yourself ready for the experience. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love doing the exercises outside of sex so that when you go into it, you're already ready. You're already primed. Your body kind of knows where to go, what to do, what to envision so that you're not trying to like, oh, I'm getting close to orgasm. What do I want to think about? (laughs) You know, you come in with a sense of I've already conditioned myself to like know what feeling I want to bring up. And I know how to bring that up more quickly because I've done it a number of times. Again, it's like going to the gym. You don't just like lift weights and then like all of a sudden you're buff and you have muscles and you even like know how to use the machines. You know, it takes a few times to figure out this is what the machines do. This is what muscles they work. And so you're outside of the sexual experience. That's for (laughs) building those skills, building those muscles so that when you Mm. go into sex, you're not just like so cognitively focused on that. You're not enjoying the experience. It's just like when you're having the orgasm, you're able to easily call up. Mm -hmm. The feeling or the vision. Mm-hmm. Can we? Sorry, go. No, you go. 
Can we get a little bit more into visualizations? Like what does that mean? What can that look like? How can we start incorporating that? Yeah. Do you want to try one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you're willing to share just something that you'd like to embody or experience or something that you would like to release. I feel like for me, you've been mentioning like confidence and embodying confidence. I think that's something like overall I would like to work on and that I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate to as well. Confidence is usually a top one. Yeah. 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 What on. does confidence look like to you? To me, confidence looks like owning your shit. Like it's just owning every part of you, not shying away from any part of you and like feeling good about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got like visceral feelings when you said that. <laughs> I saw a TikTok of this. Um, I think she was like a model or something. And she was saying how she embodies confidence is like pretending she's wearing this huge necklace that she wants the world to see. And like, that's how she walks around. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like confidence embodies to me. It's like when I think about like walking like this, that's what I want to feel like. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So anyone who's listening can do this. If you're driving, you might want to pull over because I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a second. <laughs> but we'll just do a really quick intro to what this visualization might look like. So if you close your eyes and take a deep breath in and exhale all the shit out. And then take one more deep breath where you just fill your body to its maximum capacity. Hit the top of that. And then take another breath in. And you're at the max that you can go, but I'm going to ask you to take one more breath in. And then one more. And let it all out. And now just imagine embodying what confidence means to you. So if that's owning your shit, I want you to see yourself stepping up and claiming everything that is you, everything you've ever done, everything you've ever accomplished, achieved. You are standing at the peak of this saying, yes. And if you're walking forward and you've got your badass necklace on and you want everyone to see it, I just want you to imagine yourself taking those steps, throwing your shoulders back and feeling what it feels like to give yourself this moment just right now where nothing else matters. You just get to give yourself the gift of feeling confident. And if you can, just for a moment, Put your body into that expression. What does confidence feel like in your body? And if you can, just for a moment, put the expression of confidence on your face. When you're just in full ownership, showing yourself off, not giving a fuck because you are so you and such an expansive version of yourself. And if you can hold that image in your mind, just get to notice it. Notice what you look like. 
Notice how you feel. And you can take a deep breath in and out and then open your eyes. I feel like I'm sitting taller. Ugh. I feel all sparkly and like liquidy. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's just, we don't give ourselves the time, you know? So that was like, I don't know, two minutes, maybe three minutes mm-hmm. of sinking into what does it feel like to feel confident? Imagine giving yourself a, an hour to just embody confidence. You'll start to get so much more nuanced to what that feels like. Your body's going to get so much more familiar with confidence that, you know, we have, we're so familiar with the disempowered states because our poor, sweet, silly brain is programmed to keep us in those states to keep us safe. Our nervous system's constantly scanning for danger. And because we don't have any saber-toothed tigers chasing us, danger looks very different. You know, it looks like anxiety and worry about work or our partnership or our body or just showing up on a date, you know, all of these things can trigger anxiety and our survival mechanism because we just want to protect our poor, sweet, soft insides. Mm -hmm. And so we're so well-versed in feeling those feelings. We don't even notice when they come up. We don't even notice what brings them up, but there's a recipe for all of the disempowered states that we have. There's a certain thought pattern that you need to think in order to feel a disempowered way, just like there's a certain thought pattern that you need to think in order to feel confident, right? You have to own your shit. You have to feel like a badass. You have to feel like I'm not hiding anything. I can walk into a room and let people see me. And there's a physiology. Again, there's a physiology of like being depressed, of being sad, of being anxious. And there's a physiology of being expansive and being open and being proud. Our biology will condition us more often than not in those disempowered states. And so it's really up to us to recondition ourselves and to give ourselves the time to embody that state. And it's as simple as like a three minute. I'm just, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to sit here and feel confident or whatever empowered state you want to feel. You can do it in the shower. You can do it on your way to work. Just don't close your eyes in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't do that part. Oh, That's wonderful and such like uh, accessible way to add it into your routine as a functioning human with a full schedule. But, you know, like maybe you set your alarm two minutes earlier and then you just you still lay in bed, but you're just like thinking confident thoughts or whatever you want for the day. And I think that's so wonderful because, yeah, I feel sparkly and mushy right now. And I think that's wonderful. (laughs) And like you were saying, I think we get so used to feeling the disempowering things like anxiety that it feels like home. And so it doesn't feel weird when it's happening. It's like, oh, yeah, this is just I'm an anxious person or I'm an insecure person. And I like this practice of like Mm -hmm. embodying confidence because then I get to know her a little bit better. And it's a little more comfortable when I want to access her later or when I'm in a moment where it's like, oh, do I go into insecurity or do I go into confidence right now? But if I don't know confidence at all, it's going to be really hard to step into that. So I love that it's incorporating that practice. You can really learn what it feels like and then step into it in those maybe more difficult moments or those moments like sex when you're really open and really vulnerable. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. This is great. If you have any kind of performance anxiety or you just want to be more confident in the bedroom, priming yourself outside of the bedroom is key because when you get into the like, you know, it's like rehearsing lines before you go on stage. Is there anything within psychedelics or putting yourself in a psychedelic state that we didn't touch on or didn't ask about that you wanted to make sure was brought up? Uh, One of the most important components of psychedelics uh, or psychedelic states is integration. And I don't think that that's really talked about an awful lot. I think what's more highlighted is like, oh, you go, you can go to an ayahuasca ceremony and have a peak experience and and get the healing and then... Mm -hmm you get back on a plane and you go to your job and you start living your life and like nothing in our culture or society supports change. Mm. (laughs) It's really hard, you know, even in relationships to be like, you know, Hey honey, today's the day I choose to be different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I still see you in your old patterns. You haven't done a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so integration is essential for any kind of healing experience for psychedelic healing for, Therapy, I think there needs to be more talk about integration where that's when you're taking the practical or the, you're taking the epiphanies, you're taking the downloads that you got, you're taking the the big new thing and saying, how do I continue to show up in my life when my brain's going to go back to its old patterns? It's going to regroove. Oh, <laughs> Cass, that reminded me of the thing. <laughs> You know, because you're talking about it's so easy, it's so normal to feel those disempowered states. And this Mm -hmm. is the same thing. So you have the peak experience, you have the psychedelic experience, and then you go back to your life day to day. Your brain and your body wants homeostasis. It wants the old familiar feeling. And so I think of this as like a barometer. So when you're operating, say you're at like 65 degrees, you have a psychedelic experience, you have a peak experience or you have something that shifts how you want to show up. You're like, God, I just want my life to be different. I had this download and now I know I can do it. So you go up to 72 and then your body's like, no, 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 no. We like 65 and it's going to do everything it can to pull you back down. So those criticisms are going to come back. Those thoughts are going to come back. You're going to get back into the day-to-day flow of existence that puts you back in those disempowered states that disallows for this new way, you know, to show up as a more connected human, as an ego dissolved human. And so integration is all about how do you maintain to keep that temperature at that dial when your body is doing everything it can to turn it back down. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, when you've embodied that state long enough at 73 degrees, you'll stay there. That's your new homeostasis. So you can shift that barometer But I want everyone to recognize, because I think this happens so often in psychedelic medicine, where you just think that like you'll go have the experience and it's going to change your life and everything's going to be better after that. If you're not integrating those ways and you're willing to do the work and rep those muscles Mm -hmm. to continue to show up differently, to continue to tell your brain to sit, stay and behave (laughs) while I take control, um, you're going to lose a lot of the power. And that's why people just kind of go back. They're like, oh, I must need to do another another trip, another experience. Mm-hmm. You don't. You just need to really focus in on integration and understand that it's still a process of, of lifting weights. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point too, because I think that's, at least for me, when I want to try something, I quickly feel like I'm failing at it because yeah. you know I'm not doing it 
a hundred percent of the time or as much in my life as I initially planned to. So reminding yourself that even the biggest breakthroughs require you to keep like lifting that weight like once or twice, three times a week to make it feel a part of your life. It's like, that's so important to bring up. Um, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't feel great to be bad at first, you know, right. It's mm-hmm. hard to sit with, especially I think as an adult, you just, you, you become more adept and more skilled at things. And so then when you're a beginner, you're feeling like, man, I should really be better at this. And I think we get really frustrated when we start to recognize our patterns come up mm-hmm. and, and we can see it. Like I know for me at this stage too, because like I'm coaching people through this and then it happens to me too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> haven't I done enough? You know? And it's just a reminder mm-hmm. that it's, it's a constant practice and I'm a rock climber and everything's hard all the time when you're rock climbing. And it's just like, that's why we love it. That's why we do it. Mm. But it's not, we don't have this same lens toward our emotional state when really it's giving us access to so much more. Every time a trigger comes up, I say, thank you. That's a prompt for me to do the empowered states, to give myself the gift of embodying something that I want to feel instead of the disempowered. Otherwise I'll forget. You're not feeling the bad things. You're going to forget that you want the good things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so reframing them as an opportunity to give yourself time to feel differently or to think differently or to investigate your stories because maybe it's not serving you. It's, it's a, it's an ugly sweater Christmas gift. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a fucking important reframe I think Mm -hmm. it is so like Emma was saying it's so easy to feel like a failure and I think it's for me like when I've put in a lot of work or had these epiphanies or like you know tried to change these things about my life and then you know I've put in all of this time and then I do the same behavior or I don't change something it feels like I wasted all of that time or like I wasted Mm -hmm. my opportunity to like Mm -hmm. become who I want to be and then the further I get away from that like thing that I did, that coaching experience I had, then it's like the less likely I am to be able to use it or I lost it. And so it feels really good. It's like what you're making me think of is like, it's still in there. I just need to keep practicing. Mm -hmm. It's still in there. And I think the measure of success isn't that you don't get triggered. You will will continue to get triggered. Some triggers kind of melt away and they get real quiet, but like you're still going to get triggered in your old stuff. That's going to happen. The measure of success and progress to me isn't that it doesn't happen. It's how quickly you bounce back. Mm -hmm. And when you are not shooting yourself with a second arrow of like, okay, I'm feeling bad, but now I'm feeling bad for feeling bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you get rid of that second arrow, it becomes a lot easier to just give yourself compassion, maybe even some humor of like, of course we're back here. Like I love, I just love the the analogy of like, I'm working on an old, old, old operating system. My little brain computer is like so outdated. I just need to give it some love and some compassion and then I need to update it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Close a few browsers, shut it down and update. (laughs) A little restart. Oh, I loved that. That was a beautiful little bow at the end of this because this whole episode has been so fun and sparkly. Thank Uh you so much. Thank you. Where can our listeners continue connecting with you, learning from you after this episode is over? Yeah. So I will have a workshop that's being released in January and it's free. It's called Decondition Your Shit. 
Um, and I don't have the URL for that. So what I'll do is I'll make one for you. That's just jessicaalphakey.com slash honeydoomy. Perfect. Wonderful. And that'll lead to the free deconditioner ship <laughs> workshop <laughs> where you can like get really familiar with your patterns and learn the steps to, to smooth them out. What a good way to start off 2024. Like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Thank you oh. so much for that. That's going to be amazing. I'm going to, first thing I'll do in January. Yeah. <laughs> Totally psychedelic. <laughs> totally psychedelic. You've been holding on to that one for like two weeks. A little bit. I let it go a little uh, bit in the Instagram caption for this week. <laughs> um, but it just sounds so groovy, baby. You know? Yeah, I knew that was coming next. I could like feel it in my toes. <laughs> I like I knew it. Feel it in my toes. Well, I'm sorry. It lends itself to so many good taglines. <laughs> Well, excuse me while I get into my VW bus. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out, dude. Peace <laughs> out, dude. Gnarly bro. Um, thank you, <laughs> Jessica, for sharing your wisdom today on the podcast about psychedelic sex. Um, I'm jumping in. I'm high already. I'm high on life. I'm, I'm high on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Living life. Everything. Just every fucking thing. Um, and do you want to finish your sentence or should I finish it for you? You know what? Because take it over. <laughs> and since Emma can't get out a goddamn thought, um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Truly means the goddamn world. Um, and you if you want to hear more from oh. <laughs> I didn't have a good line, but I wanted to cut you off. <laughs> If you didn't know any better, you'd think we were fighting. <laughs> All right, you go, you go. All right, you can also head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. Make sure you never miss an episode. Mm -hmm. We've got so much good shit coming your way this month, next month, all the months after. You're welcome in advance. Mm -hmm. um, you can thank us uh, by leaving a written review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, and you can also do all of those things except for the written review part on Spotify, which we appreciate. You can watch us on YouTube. Um, there isn't. We get a lot of fun comments there. So, <laughs> so just go there for the entertainment. If you just want. for the entertainment, um, we got one really interesting one that I was telling Emma about today that said your speech is. Um, Nasty. Nasty. I don't think this is helping anyone. <laughs> All right. Um, thank Honestly, you so much for that feedback. The growth on our YouTube does not reflect the engagement we receive. No. But I love it because some of the most amazing things that have ever been said to me have been via comment on YouTube. You ugly wannabe. You ugly wannabe. Oh my God, I can't wait to put that on a sweatshirt. TM, don't take it. It's fine. <laughs> you can't have it. But I will say there, we have quite a few uh, subscribers on YouTube that go mm. to bat for us in those comments yeah. as well because we get some very mean things and there is always somebody responding that they need to work on their own sexual beliefs because they are clearly filled with shame. Yep. And I appreciate Dripping. that because we don't respond to those comments. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. There's no plans in the future to start. So, 
<laughs> so head to YouTube for some entertainment. Yeah. And uh, we will see you next week. Yeah, probably. If I'm there. I no if, promises. If we, we'll see. We'll okay. see. But we love you either way. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>